Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unraveled Podcast, and I'm Crystal. Recently, I got into a bit of a heated discussion with somebody um, who used a term um, in their argument that was vague. Uh, the term was left-leaning, and so let me explain what I mean by vague. They had said that, oh, well, you know, these media outlets are all left-leaning. And I started to, to, to try to understand what that meant, right? Because left-leaning is a very broad term, and this is not a political uh, podcast, so just, you know, hold your horses and let me get to the psychological piece of it. So it started with this conversation, and I said, well, what does left-leaning even mean anymore? And the person couldn't actually respond with what they what they found was left leaning. It was just this kind of when when you really tried to boil it down, it was this kind of you know for all intent and purpose the news media outlet they were pointing to disagreed with their this person's ideology and so therefore it must have been left leaning, which was interesting to me because what it did was implicitly explained to to me what that person's in and out group status is. So for those who don't know, if you've ever taken a Psych 101 class, you've heard it. In and out group concept is basically this. I have an in group and I have everybody else's the out group. Um, in, in common terms or in current terms, a lot of people tend to use the word tribalism. Um, it, you know, it, it gets moved around into what that means. But for all intent and purpose, when we're talking here right now, what I mean is when we define an in-group, it is our people, right? It is the people that and oftentimes either look like us or they think like us or they act like us or they have the same interests as us. You know, there's many different types of in-groups that we have, but as many as of the in-groups that we have, we also have as many out-groups. And these are people that we don't understand. These are people that maybe don't look like us or don't think like us or don't act like us. And this is a very naturally occurring phenomenon. Um, but this day and age... There's two problems with this concept, which is one, people think that one, it's bad, um, and two, that they're not, that they don't have anything to do with it, and so they consistently fight the fact that they feel this way because they think that it's bad. And I would like to challenge that concept, and I and I know that that's also a heated category, but let me just kind of go back a little bit. In groups are. For all intent and purpose, arbitrary, right? In-groups just basically mean who I feel safe with. There have been a lot of studies on this, and everybody wants to think that they can predict the behavior or they can predict the outcome of the people in their in-group. And so what happens is, is we create these kind of bubbles. They're subconscious in a lot of, of, lot of ways, but and they're conscious in, in many other ways as well. So like if I like theater, right? You, you heard this all the time if you grew up, um, you know, oh, those are the theater people. And or if you're in high school, you know, you always had the groups. And in my day and age, way, way, way back in the day, you know, it was the jocks and it was the the valley girls or it was whatever, right? They're all of these people that are like us. And so we feel safer with those people. And so we inherently create an in-group. And when when you think about the the survivability aspect of that, like, right, like the how we produce ourselves as human beings, it makes sense, right? If somebody we feel like we understand, if if a, if somebody that comes down the street and they're a stranger, but they uh, back in the day, right, but they know our customs, they know um, our they dress like us, it was easier to see that they were not a threat. Nowadays, it gets really murky because we all have so many interests and there's such a diversity. And because of the globalistic nature of our, our society these days, 
it is it becomes more and more difficult to understand the in-groups and the out-groups, right? So we start to create these, you know, well, we always have. We create arbitrary ones. And what's interesting is psychologically they've done these studies a thousand times, right? Um, when I was training and learning in psychology um, or when I was studying, when I was learning, I'm always learning, but when I was studying psychology, um, there were these famous studies where they would basically arbitrarily pick, like they put 30 kids in a room and they would assign 15 of them A and 15 of them B. And they actually found that they would create these little, you know, tribes, these in-groups just by arbitrarily placing these people into sides, right? It, there was, they, they were, and they knew that they were arbitrary. They knew that they were placed in these groups for no other reason than it was random. And yet the people in the groups were more competitive against the people in the, the other group, the opposite group. They rated them uh, lower in, in a likability standpoint, and they tend to favor the people in their own group, even when people knew that it was an arbitrary thing. Um, this was redone again, Recently, and I say recently, I want to say in the last 10 years, where uh, they did this with, um, you know, brown eyes and blue eyes, uh, just to see whether or not people felt like, you know, would would come up with, uh, would, would favor somebody just because of their eye color. And they found again, yes, it did happen. And, you know, that, that, that people would pick their in-group, they would favor their in-group. And so all this does is, I mean, you can Google this, you know, just Google in-group, out-group studies, right? You're going to find a, a slew of them and you're gonna, you should be able to find a lot of information on, you know, the ones if you're really interested. But my, my point is, is that we do this just inherently. We create these in-groups because our, you know, primal brain, the little part of our brain that wants to keep us safe, wants to feel like we have a, a, a safety net, and what's really interesting is if you extrapolate this out, you can see how this becomes pr troublesome, right? Especially these arbitrary ones, right? If we create an in-group based off of, say, looking like me, when somebody looks like me and then does something atrocious, uh, some heinous crime, then you can see the cognitive dissonance. And we've talked about cognitive dissonance in an earlier episode. Um, but basically, you can see this kind of internal struggle, right? If I, if I had somebody who identified as part of my in-group then goes and does something horrible. Now I have this horrible reflection, right? Like I've got to fit, sit there and figure out why, well, what does that mean about my in-group? And so what inherently happens is, is they stop, they, they find some determining factors why that person is no longer in the in-group. Now they can't predict that behavior, right? They want to swath this big, huge, huge grouping and say, everybody that's likes me is in the in-group. And then when something heinous happens, they're like, oh, well, no, no, this was a, this was a, this was an offshoot. This was not, you know, this is not typical of our in-group. There must have been something something different about that person, right? So we do this if it has to do with our own in-group. We, we attribute all of these behaviors to some other reason that this person actually wasn't in our in-group. But our in-group is still sound and it's still safe, right? But as soon as something a heinous happens in an out-group, of course, that makes sense. You completely want to go ahead and, and genericize the entire out-group because it, it helps to... Um, solidify your thought process. Um, so it, it's important to understand that we do this in-group and out-group thing. And what, what's even worse is, is that this kind of tendency to want to put barriers around our in-group and out-group um, stuff, and, and, not, and I say barriers, I mean, we, we have a debate going on in the, in the world right now about this physical barrier, and there's physical barriers all over, and please, this is, again, this is not a political podcast. This is, 
the whole point of this podcast is to think through these things and not get defensive. If you're finding yourself getting defensive about this conversation, then I think you really need to do some introspection because this is really just meant to have a discussion. But we put on these, you know, these these psychological barriers around these things too. But what what exacerbates this this psychological barrier is this feeling of safety. So as soon as you you'll see this all of the time, and don't just think about the current time. Don't think about the present time. Think about all of humanity. Whenever somebody wanted to get people on their side, they use fear. They always do. And why do they create a fear tactic? Because they know, I mean, whether or not it was ever written down, I mean, but it's been written down for for decades, but they know that psychologically, if there is a fear base, you will go into your in-group and, and, and really, really harden those psychological walls and really separate yourself from understanding of the out-group. Because if we can do that, then you'll do whatever you, you know, whatever you need to do to preserve the in-group. Now, a lot of people will think that this is horrible, um, that we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't do this. The problem with that type of thinking is, is it is, it is un, very us to do that, right? We've done this tribalistic kind of in-group, out-group thing forever. We can't stop our brains from doing it. There's too much in the world. Our brain needs to figure out a way to lump things together and categorize them into one. So it is, it is an ineffective strategy, strategy to say that we should just love everybody, which we should, but that we should just be okay and never have an out-group. I would argue that we should love everybody and that we should be kind to everybody, but it is an impossibility to think that we can't or we should you know, cut off this idea of in-group, out-group because that just is not how our brain works. The only time we'll ever all be one in-group is when aliens attack, to be honest, because um, that will actually create earthlings as an in-group. Right now, for whatever reason, we can't see earthlings as an in-group. And why? Well, because we don't have any out-group in which to, to lump everybody else into, right? It totally makes sense. And so you'll see this all the time. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll see how people use anything. I mean, besides the arbitrary ones about eye color, you know, redheads will stick together or people will talk about their state pride or things will talk about their country pride or uh, we're on the right or the left of the Mississippi or we're in Northern California, not Southern California. Those people down there don't know what, you know what I mean? You'll see this all of the time. We create so many in-groups, but at, for every in-group we create, we also create an out-group. And that, that has to be an understood so what do, you know, what do we, where do we go from here? Well, this was always my problem. I don't, we, the reason I think we're having such a problem as a society on this in-group and out-group thinking is because we're tackling it from the wrong standpoint. People just want us to not have the in-group and out-group. But I think that that's flawed because if you start to, you're, you're fighting inherent by, you're just fighting who we are. We're fighting the way that we've psychologically functioned for a thousand years. That is not a, to me, that's not a smart way to go about it. So, so what do you do? Well, what you do is you recognize that this is a thing, and you also recognize that in-group and out-group biases are oftentimes arbitrary. So just by the knowledge of doing that, you could actually still love and care and be kind for the out-group and still feel the safety and the continuity and the whatever comes, the, the predictability of your in-group without sacrificing morals and ethics and having to vilify the out-group. Why can't we have pride in our in-group without having to vilify and exterminate or whatever the out-group? You know, and I, so I will say this, 
This is, I think, the problem with almost you know, our political system today on all across the board. Everybody wants to say, you know, my side is right and your side is wrong, but not only that your side is wrong, right? Like that would be okay. I could understand that. You know, you, there's a lot of topics out there that are very personal for a lot of people. And to say that your side is wrong simply because you disagree doesn't make any sense. Where we, where we lose our, our ability to, to really move forward as human beings is when we sit there and say, well, your side is wrong and you're a horrible human being because you believe this or you think this way, right? We've talked in previous episodes about how, you know, um, we tend to only understand things from the, from the experiences we have and how that's a flaw. And we need to do better jobs as people thinking outside of our own experiences and understanding, you know, the complexities of life. And I, and I think that that holds true. And all of these things are connected. This in-group and out-group bias is definitely something that we should be aware of that we have so that we cannot vilify the people in the out-group. What, what I would like to see uh, f- for people to do is, you know, speaking about um, our, our current or past or future president, here's what I would like to have happen in our future president, whoever that should be. I would like them to say, listen, we, we really do want to take pride in the U.S., right? The U.S. is a great place, and, and we need to, we need to uh, focus on its strengths. We need to fix, you know, where we're flawed. But we should have pride in who we are. We are a great nation, and, you know, we've had a lot of problems, and we've done a lot of horrible things, and let's just put it out on the table, and let's figure out how to fix it. And there is a, there is a pride to be had there, and that's okay. And all of these other nations, they are our outgroup. But that doesn't mean that they're horrible people, right? We could still come together in our our um, our pride for the United States and focus on fixing our flaws here, as well as having sympathy and empathy and humanity and love for those in our outgroup. If that's where we want to focus, if if you know, I hear this all the time from everybody. Not everybody, that's not true. But a lot of people, you know, they do. You know, we do love living in the United States. So why would it not be the 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 smart thing to do to harness that joy and that pride? get people to recommit to their neighbors, to their to their communities, to, to the United States as a whole, to, to really do make us, you know, to really make us uh, an evolutionary, to put us in an evolutionary state where we're doing better, where we're, where we're really focused on making sure that our communities are safe from um, harm, they're, they're not turning on one another, and then you can still have an out group if you really need. To, I mean, we we do we have to have one, right? To to create the United States as an in group, you have to have an out group. I honestly would like to see our communities have smaller um, in groups, and then you you bring it out to the United States, and that'll be an in group. And then yes, you have to have the world in group. But like I said before, that if to have an in group, you have to have an out group. And unless you believe in aliens, like you're probably not going to to see an out group that's outside of Earthlings. Um, what we can still have out groups and you you don't have to be mean to them. You don't have to, 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 to think that it's okay to torture them or think that it's okay to dehumanize them or think that it's okay. And just, you know, whatever to those people over there that are struggling and suffering, right? If we can recognize that we have this tendency towards in groups and out groups, then we can choose to be kind and loving towards the out groups without you know and and to and still have pride in our in groups without sacrificing either but instead of having that conversation you know how can we love and care for an out group 
and and be kind and be humanizing to an out group and still care for our in group instead of having that conversation everyone just wants to have this conversation that just says well they suck and then well you suck because you think that they suck and it's just it's just it creates infighting it's the stupidest thing i've ever seen like it doesn't it doesn't move the needle at all all we do is we create more infighting which just because of the safety thing that I mentioned earlier, which makes people just more hardened in their in-group. And then then they don't, it, it's, there's no critical thinking to it. There's none at all. So that's a problem. And so, so think about the words that you use today um, in defining anything. Whenever any topic makes you upset, no matter what it is, whether or not it's politics or religion or farming or food or technology or whatever it is that starts to really get you riled up. Think about what you're saying is your in-group in that scenario. And then think about how you're talking about and thinking about the out-group. It is important that we challenge those ideas because again if you think that the in groups and out groups are arbitrary or I mean if we know that some of the in groups and out groups that we create are arbitrary you know we could certainly expand our out group to be the United States right why can't that be a thing I mean I say the United States not because I'm trying to create nationalistic pride I mean I don't but I don't think that's a bad thing right like I have a lot of friends from all over the world and they have a lot of pride in the countries that they come from with by still and still they're still able to recognize the country's flaws but they still have pride in their country there's no reason for us to not be able to do that that doesn't make us bad people it also doesn't make us give us the 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 you know the green light to act horribly to other people that are not within our nation like that doesn't make any sense it's it's a it's flawed thinking and it's actually lazy thinking to think that way um so we need to be able to build our empathy, though, for the outgroups. And so how do you do that? How do you build your empathy for the outgroup? So let's just say we know we have to have an in-group and out-group, right? So that's step one, knowing that you have an in-group and an out-group and that has those two things. You can't have one without the other. You can't have light without the dark. That is the way that it works, okay? So that's step one. Step two is recognizing where your own in-group biases are. So think about the ways that you are passionate about things, things things that get you fired up. And then look at the terminology you're using. If you're using terms that are swathing to some other group, then maybe that's your out-group. And then if you really want to be critically able to move forward as a, and, and help our society, start to think about why they really are in the out group and what does that actually mean? And then try to figure out, you know, here's a great, great struggle. Try to empathize with them. Put yourself in their shoes. Why would somebody in the out group be in the out group? Why would they feel the way that they feel? We get really lazy. People get really lazy in their thinking in that regards. This is, you know, I've seen this happen all over the abortion topic, right? You know, the people on the other side of whatever argument you're on are just horrible, murderous, or non-caring, um, you know, crazy, colonial backwards, whatever it is. There's, there's so much you know, just visceral talk and hatred towards the other, the other group, whatever, you know, there's a thousand sides to that story. Um, but so think about that and try to actually put yourself in that, in this position where somebody on that side is fighting, right? Role play, figure it out. Um, I would say this, uh, okay, so wait, hold on, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm not losing it. I'm just going all over the place. So do that exercise and then see if you can expand your out group. Again, I would I would argue that it would be the you know best case scenario 
we would all just see everything as earthlings and we would just accept that the outgroup is everything outside of our world. But again, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So let's start small. Let's start with just the small things. See if you can expand your outgroup. Something else to note. Um, okay, so even if you can't expand your outgroup, then at least think to think by hopefully doing the exercise where you you could even sit there and say, I can't understand these people. I've tried to expand my outgroup. I don't get where they're coming from. I just, I really don't agree with where they're coming from. That's fine. But then if, if that's your three, and then your fourth step is to show empathy and compassion for those people, right? You don't have to understand where they're coming from to understand that they're human beings with their own perspective, with their own life that has got them, led them to this moment. And whether or not that moment makes them just a closed-minded, you know, whatever human being that's the experience that they've had and you getting mad at them and you thinking that they're like the worst and calling them names and 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 not caring if they suffer that doesn't do anything at all except for make humanity worse so spread your compassion understand that they got where they are for some reason maybe they had really bad examples of parents maybe they had some horrible situation that you don't know anything about that exposed them to something that caused them to be the way that they are and try to have compassion and try to love them for who they are and accept that they are who they are. And then, you know, whatever the laws of our, our lands are, then, you know, so be it. You know, and, and for those people that are trying to pick up an example of somebody like that tortures or kills somebody, I'm not asking you to. I actually, that's not true. I mean, in a grander scheme in another podcast, maybe right now. Try just to think of the people that you disagree with. Let's not think. Let's not. Let's not extend this out to torturous, because that's another. That's another topic, and that that that's a that's a good one. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I feel like it muddies it muddies our progress here when we take it out to those levels. When we take out well, but what about the guy that you know killed my grandfather, or what about these people here that have nothing but hate and vile to spread? Okay. Just put those over to the side for a minute. Shelve that because I feel like that's another step. If, you, if you're struggling with these four steps, then I think that you should just give, it, give that one a minute. Now, you know, one day I would like to talk about that step because I think that that's an important step. But if you haven't gotten through these four, don't even try to tackle that one. Just let that one be over there for a minute. So, again, recognize that in and out groups are things. Try to see where your in and out groups lie. Number three go ahead and try to put yourself in the position of somebody in your outgroup or in the outgroup to see whether or not, you know, you could you could expand your outgroup and at the very least if you can't do that or at the very least at all try to empathize, try to show figure out how you can be compassionate towards those people. And that's all you need to do. Th- those are really four easy steps. And sometimes though it, it is hard for us and I think especially when we get topics where we're excited and heated, um I think it's really hard for people, but I I don't think that we're adding anything to humanity to continue to hold these just rigid ideas about about the people that are not only in our outgroup but about this concept that we shouldn't have an outgroup. It's just all of these these ideas that really sabotage our abilities to accept that this is a thing and that we need to we can still have our in-group and not be horrible awful human beings. Something to add to that is for those of you who want to think a little bit more critically about this. Um, the in-group bias, like I said earlier, really just gets expanded um, when when our safety is at when we feel like our safety is at risk, whether or not that's contrived or whether or not that's just words or you know there's a lot of people out there now that try to create a sense of fear um, 
and it's contrived fear so, so that you will do what they want you to do so that you'll feel stronger in your in-group so you'll do what they want you to do. It's like, it's a, actually, it's a, it's a cult tactic, which is really interesting because it's used so often. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, but the one of the, one of the more, I don't know, I, I don't, expanded ways to look at this in-group thing is the stronger you feel in yourself and your understanding of the world um, more confident about your own identity, the less likely you are to fall for that fear-based in-group and out-group situation. And so you will be stronger in the three and four step, you know, expanding your out-group will be easier. Um, that's why I would say that, you know, in an ethereal kind of, of you know, where I want to take this, right, where I'm thinking and maybe this is not the podcast, and maybe you listeners aren't the listeners. I mean, but maybe you are. I mean, this is, we're talking to the 1%, right? The 1% that think like me. So let me tell you really quick, since, you know, we're here. In my head, right, if you could be strong in who you are, then you could expand it to the everybody on earth is your in-group, right? This is, the, this is a Buddhist principle. This is not just a Buddhist principle. This is every religious principle that there is, every religious text that exists, every mantra, every Zen, every everything, it ha got, boils down to the we are all one. And the idea there is at the end of the day, we are all in the same in-group, that there are no out-groups, right? The the idea, I know I said that the, you can't have the dark without the light. I think the out-group would be in this scenario, in that we are all one scenario. The out-group are those people who don't believe that they, we are all one. And not that they are not still all one. It's, it's a paradox, right? We're all one. We're all part of the same in-group. And yet the out-group is those people who don't believe that we're all in the in-group, but we're all in the in-group. It's a paradox, but it's a beautiful paradox. It's, it's something that to really, really meditate on. And I think if you've made it this far, listening to me ramble on, you may you may be thinking about these things too. And, you know, it, it's such an exciting way to think, right? To, to, to really push yourselves as a human being to really sit there and, and just go over this and over this and, and try to play with that paradox and understand what that mean. What does that mean? What does it mean to all be in the same in-group and that to to be to 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 be to have a feeling of something towards those in the out group, but still love them and want them to be part of the in group because they are technically part of the in group. It is a it is it's such a beautiful way to look at the world. I think because what it does is it pulls down all of your defenses and you find yourself losing your anger, losing your frustration, and 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 actually having so much empathy and compassion for others that it 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 hurts. Right, because you know that we're all together. It's a beautiful way to, to feel. It's also a sad way to feel. I'll be honest. I mean, I don't know how many of you are still left, but it to be honest, it, it, it causes me a lot of angst, right? But in a good way, right? Because I, I want so badly. I, I think all the time, and I'm not talking about like just once a year. I think almost daily about how can how can we lift up? How can we how can we be there for our in group? How and when you expand your in group to everybody. What does that mean? And then when when those everybody's don't see you as in the same in group and then or or try to or not even you, if those same in group like this argument that started this whole conversation, right? When that person is putting this line in the sand and saying people that believe this are not in my in group and it and it hurts because you recognize that that's not a true statement. Um, but I still have compassion for this person. And so we're you know, I'm trying to figure out how to 
how to talk to them and how to love and care. It's, it is, I think it's a beautiful way to expand who you are as a human being. And if then none of this makes sense to you, just go back to those four steps because I think that's where you need to start. Um, but I mean, I hope you guys heard this. And then, and then if you, if for those of you who are trying, going to try this out or who are here with me right now and who really get what I'm trying to say, like, I'm not, I'm not articulating it in the best way, but like, could really go see where I'm going. I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you. Send me a, a text or an email or, you know, just let me know your thoughts because this is one of those areas that there's no answer, right? There's, it, it just is a thought and, and where does that thought lead us and, and what does that mean? You know, there's so much to discover there. It's very exciting. Um, I think uh, it's a great way to, I feel like it's the, it's the next place to unravel, to really understand what that means and to be in a sense of identity strength that you can be cool with everybody that's in your in-group. Um, and when I say cool, I don't mean, you know, accepting of like murders, tortures, behavior. Again, shelf over here for those people who are still on steps one through four. But, you know, what does that mean for those people that were on the shelf? What does that mean for those people? What does it mean to be in an in-group with those people? What does that mean about you? What does that mean about the world? What does that mean about earth? What does that mean about the, the whole meaning of life? It's a fascinating road to go down. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. And then because I think, you know, things are beautiful and I love to share, uh, Terry Pratchett, for those of you who don't know who he is, go find every book that you can um, by this author. He's wonderful. Um, I think he's dead now, um, but it's you should read him. Um, he said in his book, Jingo, uh, it was so much easier to blame it on them. It was bleakly depressing to think that they were us. If it was them, then nothing was anyone's fault. If it was us, what did that make me? After all, I'm one of us. I must be. I've certainly never thought of myself as one of them. No one ever thinks of themselves as one of them. We're always one of us. It's them that do the bad things. And again, that's Terry Pratchett. Jingo, pick it up. Read it. Talk to me. You guys have yourselves a great day from one person in your all of your in groups and for all of you in mine um peace and love and all of that jazz thanks for listening <laughs>